Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm in all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 20 Jubilation Threelax stood tall in the armored palanquin, waving her subjects as the military parade wove through the streets of lament beneath her. She stood slightly unsteady, her couch just behind her, just in case a break was needed. Between the drug suppressing her nigh constant pain and the strange feeling of actual gravity after years in space, with nothing but centrifugal force providing a simulcrum, the possibility that she would need a hung heavy over her head. Still, she waved her graspers as the marines and naval crews' women marched smartly before her. It was the least that she could do after the service to the Empire. She shuddered. Even after the space battle was won, the invaders fought back against the marines. Footage of the battle was particularly unnerving. The invaders fought in quadruped suits without any sort of definable torso or head, just four equidistant legs connecting together in a hard point with a gun mount. More than anything, they resembled arachnids from her human memories. Except, of course, that each invader was almost eight feet from tip to one leg to another, with the center standing almost three feet off the ground. As soon as the Dodge Doll landing craft dropped off the first company and 150 marines and walkers, the full complement from one of the torchships, the invaders sprang from the city to attack. They skittered quickly across the moon's surface in absolute silence, occasionally setting themselves against the ground to fire the needle rifle or railgun as they charged the Dodge Doll that outnumbered them. Worse... Whatever pseudo-muscles their suits used for locomotion, they clearly were more advanced than the Dodge Tile tech, letting the spider-like invaders periodically leap 20 to 30 feet at a time in the lowered gravity. The Dodge Tile won the encounter. Four more companies were more than enough to quell the rest of the invader defenses, but the battle still chilled her. The invaders fought in complete silence. They didn't issue challenges, offered terms, or reach out at overwhelming landing force in any way. They didn't even communicate with each other via radio, instead leaping or skittering horde of 200 invaders just charged. For Dutch Dahl, it wasn't nearly as silent of an affair. The needle combines themselves didn't make any noise on the airless planetoid. But soon the screams of dying filled the comm channels as wounded Dutch Tull gasped out their last gurgling breaths on the sheets of methane ice. Quickly, the major in charge of the operation ordered the company commanders to cut the feeds of the injured, but the first frantic minutes of the conflict took a heavy toll on morale. Of the 750 infantry that landed on the moon, just under 650 returned to their landing craft. On paper, it was a great victory. With the help of the dropships and walkers, the marines achieved the two-to-one kill ratio. In practice, the survivors were haunted. The units were literally decimated by the fight, with fewer than one in ten made it back to dodge. Amongst them, most couldn't help but remember their companions' final moments, dying alone on a dark, hairless sphere of ice and rock. 
Though her throngs of the Dodge Tall cheered as the last of the marchers cleared Tridak's stand. Following them were the military ground cars, sleek and silent, electrically powered war machines, carrying the individuals who had served with distinction in the confrontation. Twenty-five in total, and heavily vetted by internal security. They would approach Tridak one by one and be presented with medals for service. She sighed, glancing down at the balvert case holding their awards. Things had changed since the days that she had sprinted into battle beside her daughters. Sword flashing, now battles were technical things, fought thousands of kilometers away. The deaths of thousands amounting to no more than an icon on a computer and a flash of light. Threedak labored for breath before sighing, yet another sign that time was passing her by. She couldn't really place a finger on the point when she had gone from a vital day-to-day participant in building society to a figurehead and a stateswoman, but the distinction bothered her still. Her role was important. They needed someone to make the final decisions, and a society needed symbols to rely upon. She just loathed being stuck on Dodge while her daughters fought and risked themselves for the betterment of the entire race. Trumpets sounded as the military band flanking the ground cars as Dodge Tar began the exit them and ascend the stairs towards Three Dak. Kadash led them, still wearing her armored spacesuit with the clips marked as her marshal adorning her shoulders. Behind Katash came fifteen marines and nine naval officers that distinguished themselves in battle. They marched with back straight, in time to the martial music blaring throughout the square. Threedak checked her notes and adjusted the microphone as Katash's voice came up to a stop. In unison, they slammed their right graspers against their chest plates in an impressive rattle of metal on metal, just as the music stopped. Dodge all of the Empire. The microphone picked up a voice and broadcasted throughout the square and up to the packed streets where Dodge Tall of Lament had watched the parade. Today, we celebrate a momentous victory. The invaders have always hung over our head, a sort of Democles that could come crashing down at any moment. A moment has come, and we have prevailed. The crowd erupted into cheering. The faces of the officers weren't nearly as jubilant. Threedak nodded to them slightly, imperceptible to the general mod, but hopefully just enough that they could notice that she shared their hesitation. She'd seen hints of the invader fleets in her human memories, and she'd seen the cost of people and materials to root them out of systems. The Dodge Tall would secure the future, but there would be a cost in blood, and that would suck all the air out of the celebration in a second if it were widely known. From this day forward, Threedak raised her both graspers over her head, confident that the waiting cameras would catch the broadcast the dramatic motion. We are the masters of our own system. No one can interfere with our industrialization of the gas giants or the asteroid belts. There will be no interference when we expand into our outer systems and begin mining the planetoids in and about the Oort Cloud for ice and rare minerals. These resources now belong solely to us. She dropped her graspers, flicking her tongue out to taste the damp afternoon air. With them, we can build a grand fleet and reach out into the nearby systems. We can find new worlds for our eggs, land our daughters to grow up and stretch their tails. The invaders obviously aren't the only menace hiding amongst the stars. They are just the most formidable. One day, we will then meet them again, 
and they will be ready. She paused, letting the tension fill the air. We will be ready too, she bellowed, neck pouches inflating and glad that the cotton ball haze of painkillers kept her from coughing in the middle of the speech. Just as they hunted the humans to the end of the galaxy, we shall hunt them. Our ships shall be the talons that crack their eggs as we root out their nests wherever they might hide them. With others, there may be peace, but with the invaders, only one shall survive. We must remember the cost of today's victory. Her voice quieted, almost to a hissing whisper. Captain Lakshia and the eleven hundred of our daughters, sisters, and mothers in the navy and marines perished between the two battles with the invaders. Senselessly murdered by a race that didn't even stop long enough to identify themselves, let alone communicate. The holographic image of Captain Lakshia appeared in the air behind Tridak. The captain was in full battle regalia, her suit covered in a suit and blood of battle as the damaged bridge of the Ashley Koenig's bridge flickered around her. Thridak looked up at the image and gently touched her right crossbow to her breast, a salute to the fallen soldier. Captain Lakshia's last words to me, Thridak continued, her voice choked with emotion. Her last words were a request that I tell her daughters to sing songs of her. To me, Thridak's eyes snapped back to the square, eyes taking in the enraptured masses. That is not a request just for her daughters. That is a request I pass on to all Dutch Tull. Just as today we celebrate and award these brave individuals who fought, bled, and died so that we might grow. We must remember those who passed. There are many who would be marching here today if it weren't for the invaders. Each and every one of them gave their all so that their daughters could grow tall and strong. We must not let their sacrifice fade from our history. Say their names. Know that they are the first. But they most certainly will not be the last to struggle and plead for our people. Now, her eyes softened and she took in Katash and the other soldiers. In the light of a great victory, we seek to memorialize the valorous amongst the living as well. Lieutenant Commander Torash stepped forward. A smartly dressed Dodge Tall wearing a dress browns and marines approached three deck, each step measured and efficient. While commanding the first landing company Hermes on the third moon of Michael, three deck opened a box revealing a silver star attached to a ribbon. A winged Dodge Tall laser etched into the surface. Or holding a landing site against a numerically superior foe long enough for relief to arrive and standing firm. At risk of yourself and your command, I have seen fit to induct you into the Silver Order of Angels. The officers clapped politely as Tarash saluted and the crowd went wild, cheering and letting loose great joyful bellows from their neck pouches. Tarash stepped forward and Threedak clipped the ribbon onto her dress uniform, just below her rank insignia. With a brief shake of graspers, the ceremony was done. One award faded into another, and Threedak did her best to hide her boredom, and repetitive of the procedure was. Every dodge tile in front of her was a hero and deserved to be honored. The least she could do was ignore the monotony of repeating the achievements and clipping the various medals and ribbons onto the uniforms. Finally, she was placing a gold starburst onto Katasha's shoulder as her silent daughter beamed at her. For once, her taciturn nature slipped and Threedak could see the genuine pride and happiness adorning her daughter's face. 
Threedak's heart warmed as she lovingly wove the starburst pin into the combat uniform, even if it was only temporary. It filled her with joy to see Katash genuinely enjoying a moment like this. Let me talk to you this evening, Katash whispered to her before Threedak could pull back. There are things about the aftermath of Hermes that we need to discuss, things that I haven't put in reports yet, but fear of starting rumors. Threedak cocked her head quizzically at Katash but nodded. Her heart quickened. It wasn't like Katash to be so verbose or melodramatic. Whatever it was, it was likely important. She finished the parade distractedly, thanking the Dodge Tal for the support and efforts, all while wondering what Katash wanted to speak about. Her mind filleted from thought to thought, always drawing blanks, everything she could conceive of. Katash would have trusted the normal channels. Finally, the celebration ended and Threedak returned to her home in lament, dusty with disuse from years on the Meridian Station. Around dinner, Katash arrived, carrying a wheeled suitcase behind her. She nodded to Bawal before stepping into the dining room where Threedak awaited her. On a simple wooden table sat two plates laden with heartened steak. In recent years, sauce had come into vogue, likely to cover up for the bland taste of lab-grown meat. Three Dak couldn't stand the stuff. So long as she was eating proper animal, she preferred to go about it the same way her ancestors did. Raw. Katash nodded to her, weeding the suitcase up to the side of the table and taking out a tablet. A wistful look flashed over her face as she looked at the steak, likely remembering their pioneer days in the early rustic lament. Mother, Katash's expression firmed, unfortunately the bulk of your meal should likely wait until we're done with discussing business. She slid the tablet over the table to Threedak and began playing the video. The camera shook slightly and then zoomed in to the suit the invader battle armor. The weapon blown off and struggling against a series of cables binding its four legs together. Two dodge-tile marines stepped into the frame, holding the creature down and preventing from harming itself or its bonds in its thrashing. Another dodge-tile approached, also in armor, this one carried a whining circular saw, traditionally used for heavy ship repairs or removing a dodge tile from a malfunctioning power armor. She saw sparks and the invader redoubled its struggling as they slowly cut the armor away. Finally, the tone of the saw on the metal changed and the marine carefully stepped back. By Tridak's tail, the marine officer whispered, they saw loose in a grasp. Katash shifted slightly near the table, trying to suppress her amusement. The camera zoomed in on the leg. With the armor peeled back, Threedak could see the invader's true form. Nothing more than an amorphous strands of muscles and nerves adhered physically to the side of the suit. A minute later, the marine sword opened the center of the armor, only to reveal more of the same muscle tissue grown directly into the suit itself. Is this showing what I think it is? Threedak asked worriedly, setting the tablet down as the video ended. Yes, mother, Katash replied, reaching down to the suitcase and tapping a code into the locking mechanism. Despite the invaders fighting to the death, we were able to disable and capture two of them. Both were literally part of their armor. Our analysts weren't able to determine if they were grown directly into the armor or if the suit was built around them, but the result is the same. Once they go in an infantry suit, they do not leave. We found similar results in their ships, Katash shrugged slightly. Their hallways are nothing more than passageways for strands of muscles and nerves. Each ship is one individual invader. For all intents and purposes, the ship is their body. 
It sure explains their coordination and reaction speed. Something like this, Redak motioned to the tablet. This abomination couldn't have evolved naturally. Something else must be at play. As I mentioned previously, Katash continued, the luggage hissing as it opened and Katash reached into it, pulling out a squirming and pulsing mass. We had two prisoners. The first was eaten on the spot, revealing some ugh, disturbing truths. The military put a moratorium on the reports from the analyst. The second, Katash propped the mass of tentacles, writhing against a heavy rubber hand binding them together, is here. We thought it best that you see for yourself, after all. You're the one who will be leading us against these, uh, things. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.